Back by popular demand, I've got Carl Reader on the episode today, and he is a functional movement coach and expert who has been really, really helpful to several members of Patterson Program Support and some people who just watch the podcast uh, on YouTube or subscribe on iTunes or whatever, and they have contacted him and he has been able to help them with challenging situations with their body, whether it be rheumatoid arthritis in the knees or elbows and other uh, physical challenges. He's based in South Africa and does Skype calls. And I wanted to get him back on the episode today and talk all about knees because it's come back to my attention. I re-injured my knee uh, nearly 12 months ago now, and I've been going through a rehabilitation process again with my very osteoarthritic knee that became all damaged from the years that I had inflammation in it. So we're going to today talk to Carl about knees, how he helps people specifically with knee challenges and inflammation in the knees to improve them. And we're going to talk about my knee and we're going to talk about the things that I've done and the improvements that I've been able to make um, with my very challenging left knee in the past sort of eight to eight to 10 months or so. So, Carl, thanks for coming back on the Patterson podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me back. It's good to be here. Yeah. Now, you've done some great things with some of my clients or some of my audience, and it's been really, really wonderful to hear their feedback. So, I thought, let's take this to everyone, let's share it, and let's talk about um, what you actually look for when someone books a Skype call with you and you arrange a time. And then you get on the get on the uh, video just like we are now. Um, they've got the knee problems. What sort of diagnostics are you after, and what information do you need to then begin to put forward a, a personalised program for them? Well, it's really useful to have uh, their music on to see a physio or someone who's done a physical examination. And then I generally they send through the reports, which helps me because obviously being over Skype, I can't do a physical assessment. And then it's helpful to have um, someone to just be able to video them that they can, so I can watch them actually physically move and they will go through the exercises and show me this is what they are doing. And then through the Skype and the video, I can actually see quite clearly where they are moving, in my opinion, incorrectly or not functionally. And the, and the whole idea is that um, the body's designed to move. And so looking at movements that, that would potentially strain them um, very often they're being given exercises already by health professionals, and I will say to them that those are good exercises, but in your case, we need to modify that or cut it back or only do the left-hand side or only do the right-hand side based on their physio report. And um, it's quite often they say, but this has been given to us by you know, a doctor or a surgeon, and, and I have to just uh, say, I understand, but you need to maybe leave that out. That's That's going to cause harm or damage. So... Those are the things I'm looking for and really helping them to identify the difference between pain and stretch and workout because they are they often get confused between, they, I say, does that exercise hurt you? And they say, yeah, it, it does, but it's, it, it, I feel like it's doing good. And I'll say, well, if you feel pain during a movement, that's not a good thing. And just to help to describe the pain over the internet is very useful. Mm. Um, you know, I think we should never really push an inflamed joint when it, it feels actual acute pain. That's been my experience. Um, we know that all joints, when they're inflamed, have discomfort when they're being exercised. And it took me a long time to um, 
to appreciate that whenever I'm going to work out an inflamed joint, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And it was for me uh, about how the joint felt the next day. And I am actually only referring to big joints here. I never work out the little joints, but uh, the big joints, the knees, the elbows always benefited from cautious uh, uh, exercise. And I think the knee especially is a joint that needs some needs a bit of challenge to actually improve doesn't it absolutely and i think it's important here for your listeners to realize also the difference between the rheumatoid knee and and an arthritic knee uh, osteoarthritis because with the rheumatoid these sort of autoimmune diseases with the with the knees uh the joints they they need movements and it's it sort of feels like a like a counter uh, thought, but you need, like you've stressed before, you need the movements. And the reason for that is that the exercise actually uh, stimulates a hormone called cortisol, and it's an immune suppressant. It actually helps with the inflammation in the joint. So the right amount, like dosage, which you said cautiously, you know, common sense, actually has tremendous benefits for rheumatoid uh, patients and other osteo, uh, other immune problems. But often with osteoarthritis and the arthritic knees, you've got to be careful because even slight movements can can aggravate it. So that's that's where we got to just look at what works for you. Um, it's tricky, but it's 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 kind of like a puzzle. It's quite fun to work with and to play, and it's very individual. You know, some movements would really hurt, so like food. I mean, often your podcast that would inflame someone. The other person says they love it. You know, so we that's why it's important to work with with someone like myself or yourself. You know. Yeah, totally agree. Um, my approach with what I've done in the last eight months, uh, uh, eight or ten, whatever it is, with my recent n- knee aggravation being osteoarthritic is quite quite different than what I did when it was full of inflammation. Um, but we'll get wow. to we'll get to me more in a minute, and I think Late. it'll be yeah. interesting for people to hear me talk about the knee in great detail, much more than we've shared before. Um, because a lot of people have knee problems and it's, it's so, it's such a interruption to your happiness in life, you know? Absolutely. Quality of life, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Let's give us a a case study. I recently had on the podcast, um, a lovely lady called Joe and her son Luke was one of the people who, uh, you've worked with. He's only 13 years old. Um, inflammation in the knee. Um, in fact, both knees, if I remember correctly. Can you talk about Correct. Yeah, talk about Luke. Tell us really in detail how that process went along. Cause she said he had fantastic results working with you and loved working with you. So can you walk us through his situation? Yeah, when I first met him, his knees, you could see straight away on the over Skype just how swollen they were, and that redness and and uh and so we started with a very his his posture when he stood up. I could see quite clearly over the camera how his posture had taken a knock with his sitting down and being in bed. And so we looked at doing very basic exercises, chair exercises, which we've covered in in the previous podcast. But just really getting him to learn how to move correctly. Um, I got all the strengthening exercises out because that was putting too much strain. Just getting him to get very gentle movements up and out of a chair. Spinal mobility, he had a um, very straight spine, and that compromises a lot of uh, the neural, the neural uh, components and then just bad, bad muscle recruitment. So worked a lot the first couple of weeks on just improving his spinal mobility. Um, and then when he was more mobile and we saw slight changes and improvements in the spinal mobility, 
Uh, we then started doing strengthening exercises, mainly for the glutes. And I got him doing some a lot of core exercises uh, in the chair. And the core, doing proper functional core exercises has a, a real, it's like taking vitamin C in winter. It, it's just a, a wonderful, you know, it's one of those things I when I teach other guys in the industry here. If you're ever in doubt, just go for core exercises, but proper core exercises, not just, you know, anything. And it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, the go-to. And that really helped him a lot once he started adding those core exercises. Okay, that's uh, the other thing I did. Yep. Yeah, sorry, you can. Yeah. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'll I'll remember we, my questions. Yeah, we we also looked. He had he had a bike set up. He was on the bike every day or every second day, and his bike was set up really badly for his knee. So I altered yep. that alignment, and that that made a big difference straight away. You can imagine if you're doing 20 minutes every day on a mm. in a bad alignment, that's going to mm. really hurt him. Mm. Um, he had a, 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 a big staircase, so teaching him how to climb the stairs functionally and properly, like we've done before, and uh, that made a big difference as well. And just, I gave him, uh, which is important as well, seven repetitions. Uh, you will see a lot of exercise programs now are trying to bring down the number of repetitions, but seven is a very safe number. So you, you, you tend to find it around about five to six repetitions when you're doing any, any exercise. That's the sort of number where either you're, you're good to go or it's a time to slow down and stop because once you start getting to that six, seven, that's where the pain or your nervous system starts getting, I want to use the word tired, but it's so, so that really made a difference as well. We never took him into a place where he could do damage. Yeah, I love that. I love how unique this was because, you know, you've, you've not just gone with like a cookie cutter approach here. You've made it very um, uh, bespoke and very unique bespoke, yeah. for his situation yeah. um, to work on his back posture in just the first couple of weeks. I mean, it just goes to show how much the knees are impacted by the entire body. And Absolutely, I've, yeah. um, I pay attention to some uh, physical training experts like uh, uh, these are, um, these are uh, personal trainers for um, bodybuilders and stuff. There's a couple who I pay attention to on, on their YouTube channel. And they yep. talk about how the the knee is really susceptible to the hip and the ankle alignment or the uh, the entire uh, alignment of the lower body, and it can be really impacted if anything isn't set up correctly. So um, it really is a, a um, it's 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 down the down the river kind of uh, joint, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. It is, and and I think. It's so similar to like the 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 food and and the, the guts and not to digress, but you know rheumatoid is it's not even a joint disease. It's more like a stomach problem, as you know. You know, so the knee is not a knee problem. It's it's the whole system. And so once we look address the system, uh, and it's finding out when I say system, it's the whole you know the kinetic chain, um, and that's not even the kinetic chain as well. It's it's uh, it's got to do with the other muscles and and thoughts, and it gets it's it's a complex in nature. But once we sort of find the roadblocks and release the handbrakes and get the right things it's it sort of the body's amazing in its ability to to regenerate and to heal so it's 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 in just finding those little points and then working with those and if you after a day or two don't get results you move on and you don't continue on and on and on you sort of move it's, it's like playing chess really trying to find out what it is but it's usually a small thing a small change in a in a in a in a, in a movement or a removing a movement and you get the, that result instantly. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to, you talk, mentioned at the end there talking about removing a movement. Um, at the end of this, we're going to talk about toxic knee movements and things that we absolutely must avoid. Um, but between now and then, uh, let's get into detail about my, uh, history with my okay. knee. Um, normally I don't like to be, you know, too, uh, you know, self-indulgent on these podcasts, especially when I have a, a guest on and it's about their story. But in this case, um, the story is really, uh, my story. I've, I yeah. can speak with, I believe, justified authority on this topic. I've lived, Absolutely. uh, many, many years with absolute debilitating, uh, left knee chronic inflammation for multiple years, despite every best effort. And then years and years where it's, it's been pretty much a non-issue where I haven't been able to run too much. Uh, you know, I can, I can, uh, you know, beat a child to a soccer ball on a field, um, just for, uh, for a short, short space. Um, but then, um, and that went on for several years, you know, hiking mountains, carrying kids on my back, all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I got up off the floor in my daughter's room, uh, as I said, on this most recent occasion. And it's been the only time in the past sort of six years or so where I've actually really aggravated it again to the point where I went and saw a, uh, a, a knee surgeon only about six weeks ago and they said to me after looking at my most recent MRI that my knee is completely bone on bone and that I would need a knee replacement that they want to wait until I'm 55 uh, because knee replacements, they might last 20 years and they consume, yep. they consume some of the uh, existing bone to implement the knee replacement joint. That's and therefore right. yep. you don't really want to be wearing out that joint and having to have another one, which would take me through to 75. And if I'm still kicking at that point, I would need another one. And then it's harder to do a second one. And certainly a third's out of the question. So, um, and so he said, look, I'm 43 now. So he said, look, just wait 12 years. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, 12 years. Um, And I said, before we go, can you have a look at the MRI that was done? My previous one before that was nine years ago. Nine years, right? And oh. so he took a look at it and he said, your knee was terrible back then as well. He, and he looked at it and I said, how much deterioration has there been in the last nine years? And he said, they don't look much different. And I was very, wow. very pleased with that. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. He said, so whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. And he said, you know, you're, you're slim and therefore you're not adding a lot of body weight to the knee. You're obviously very active. I talked about my Bikram yoga that I do and also um, my go to the gym and stuff uh, every day. And um, and he said, just keep doing what you're doing. And as long as you can walk as far as you want to each day without having to stop, and if it doesn't keep you awake at night, with those two criteria, we recommend no knee replacement until 55. That's what he said. Okay? Now, what that did for me is to give me absolute clarity that I'm not going to go out and get distracted about trying to have, uh, you know, surgeries and stuff. I've just got to get back to doing, for me, what I need to do. And for me, what works with a completely, you know, damaged, smashed up knee is regular Bikram yoga and um, certain things that I do at the gym, which I can talk through with you because I'm sure other people be interested to hear how I've managed to improve this knee a lot. 
Now, by way of comparison, when I redid my knee, this 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 well, this only other time since it recovered many years ago, um, I was getting up off the floor, and so it looked like like a lunge. I was coming up into like a lunge position. Um, but my knee was at an angle and I was rushing and I uh, I felt like some kind of instant burn and pinch in the knee and I was very familiar with it from the good old days, <laughs> right? Um, and then I have been limping ever since in the mornings and throughout the day up until only like the last couple of months and it's been keeping me awake at night, definitely, right? So I think I retore some remaining meniscus or something like that on the side of the knee because I had inner knee pinch, very mm. bad pinching scenario. Okay. So what has worked in restoring that is, as I said, the Bikram yoga and um, being careful not to do anything that irritates it. And we'll go through yep. those things. Um, and... Um, I think, yes, probably best to talk about what does irritate it before I then talk about what helps. And you can com- jump in at any time. So, no, that's great. So um, sitting Japanese style, trying to put my bum onto my heels whilst kneeling, uh, without if I attempt to do that outside of a Bikram class, that is agonizing and that causes massive amounts of problems and I have to be very careful and it only works in a hot yoga studio towards the end of the class. That's and that's where it's located. So that's one thing that I must avoid okay. always. Um, other things, any lateral, like the original damage. I originally tore the ACL by doing a sidestep playing touch football, <laughs> and yeah. and so anything that mimics a sidestep, like lateral movement through the knee, very very painful. Uh, well, I don't do it, so I, I don't want to uh, uh, experience that movement. Um, and but anything that is, um, I guess, coming back to the to the Japanese style sitting, anything that that takes it through more of a flexion than the range of motion naturally can handle at the moment causes yeah, causes problem. Yeah. Um, and what helps is building the quadricep, building the glutes. Pretty much that's it. If I build quadricep and glutes, my knee feels like it's getting better and trying right. to stretch those same things. So strengthening them and stretching the quads and hamstrings. Oh, sorry, quads yes. and yes. glute muscles. Glutes. So that really is the, the, the nuts and bolts of it. Avoid, avoid trying to put it through a range of motion that it doesn't like unless it's in a really warmed up hot yoga room at the end of the class. And when I'm uh, cold in the gym, work on my um, glutes and quads um, in methods that have evolved with time as I have gotten stronger. Um, and we can go into those if we like as well. And I probably, we probably, people would probably find it useful. Um, and avoidance of all the things that upset it. So that's how I've been yeah. now, and now it's feeling much, much better. It's not back to where it was before I re-hurt it, but uh, it's getting there. It's it's going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, and and you said you know with the glutes, the glutes and the quadriceps strengthening. That's that's 
plays a big role, but again, it would be interesting to see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I know straight off the bat, um, the knee extension exercise where you're sitting and you have to straight, that's generally not a good exercise to do. Terrible. Um, and the Terrible. other one yeah. is the, is the leg, a leg press where you're lying back in a leg press and pushing also not a good, and, and, Terrible. you know, it's, it's not, yeah. So those are two straight off the bat. You've got to, you know, cut out. Um, it's just not natural. I mean, I always say to my clients, if a car has fallen on top of you, you might have to push it off. But other besides that, you're never going to find yourself in that position, you know. <laughs> Hopefully no. not, you know. No. And, <laughs> only and, in the gym. And I was saying the other day, most of these things you're only going to find in the gym. You know? yeah. <laughs> never anywhere else. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Uh, and my personal experience has been uh, to avoid those at all costs. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're so far, we're all on the same page. Uh, so what I did when I started out um, was just to, um, j very similar to some of the early uh, work that you do with clients when you get them started, I believe, um, which is just to, to start on a chair and then just to stand up off a chair with a with uh, uh, weight in the heels. So okay, weight in the heels and stand up, weight, and then sit back down. And stand up again, um, and so that's all I could do really in terms of physical uh, strengthening. Um, and then at the gym after that, I was then replicating that. Uh, at uh, instead of coming down to a chair, I would come down to a bench at the gym that you might lie on to do a bench press or something, and I would yes. put I would put some plates down so I could always touch the same point with my bum as I came down. So I knew yes. that I wasn't going too deep because recall that too deep for me, massive re-injury problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was coming down never below horizontal with my femur. Okay, yes. good with my thigh good. muscles, never below. And in fact, I would always cheat it a little bit above. So I never had to even work to the horizontal point. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started loading. So I would then I would do goblet, uh, goblet squats. So I would hold a small weight in my hands as such. And then I would squat with a small weight tucked up under my chin with my hands and okay. uh, sit down like that, um, and I would do quite high repetitions compared to what I like to do if I'm trying to build muscle. So I would do like yes. two or three sets of 20. Yep, yep. Uh, and then I uh, was able to um, also start some very light deadlifts because my lower back, uh, not in a spine injury way, but in a muscle way, was very weak and compromised. And I found that doing, uh, starting a deadlift program at the gym, again, just through my own experimentation, helped me to regain some strength and a relief of a lot of pain that had begun to form in my lower hips, um, just from yep. inactivity, like not moving correctly, sleeping badly because of the knee and stuff like that. So, um, yep. So once again, so we got squats now happening at the gym with low weights added, and I'm now starting a low weight deadlift, and that then developed into a few months of evolve of escalating weight until I was able to squat pretty good down onto the chair, uh, onto the bench. Yep, and then I was yep. able to deadlift heavier weights. Now, 
This introduced some other challenges. Um, can, I, I, can I jump in yes, there quickly? Yes, please, please. Yeah. yeah so with, with your with your, the lower you go, you mentioned the strain on the knee. The other thing is, is a massive strain on the lower back. If, if clients or, or listeners are familiar with the, the hip flexor muscle, so the hip flexor muscle is, is the, the muscle that lifts the leg up basically and, and flexes the hip. Uh, it's it's one of the major handbrakes in the body. Yep. Uh, handbrakes in the body. And if clients or listeners have tight hip flexors, the lower you go, the harder it is to, to squat and the more the knee works. So you've got to, you, it's part of the program as well as trying to release those hip flexors before you go down lower and lower. And that's through core exercises and spinal mobility. And the deadlift, did you have a deadlift bar in front of you or did you, were you taking a, like a kettlebell or weights and just going up and down? Uh, the 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 latter. I had a weight on each hand and just went down because I experimented with a barbell style, lighter yeah. lighter than a forty five pound barbell, but that style. And what I found is that I was getting upper back like um um like uh, um upper back and uh, scapular problems from just the weight pulling me forward. Um, so they with the bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the bar's no good. Yeah, it's, yeah, you must cut the bar, yeah. Yeah, and so I was just uh, waiting each hand going down with them beside me with my hands uh, both running parallel as opposed to sort of closed grip. Yes, brilliant. Okay, good. And the other thing yep. is it, 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 when you do that is to look down in front of you. A lot of the clients look straight ahead. Mm-hmm. So just get your head looking down about 45 degrees in front of you because that sets the posture for the core to work. Otherwise, you're, you're using a lot of your knees and your upper uh, lower back muscles to do that. But that up and down movement deadlift is fantastic for the glutes, also really good for hamstrings. And we know, you know hamstring mm. problems cause a lot of back well, – or can be the cause of a lot of back problems as well. Mm. Okay, good. Um, and then from there, I proceeded to – very, very carefully introduce uh, some walking lunges without weights. So for people what this who aren't familiar, it's just basically a a uh, a bigger step than you'd normally take forward, and then allow the back leg rather than just to swing forward like a walk to come down and touch or almost touch the floor, and then the front knee has to you know your hips basically come down uh to the bottom and then they come back up and then pause and then take another step forward so um and i and i found that to be really beneficial for the knee because it accessed i guess a hip opening that those other um exercises uh had not so each of them had different benefits but i can tell you there's no way I could do any kind of lunge after I initially injured the knee. Yeah, it he, was yeah. out of the question. It was felt very unstable and dangerous for me. Absolutely. So the the walking lunges is 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 way is very advanced. Um, what what I would start with clients, if you were a client's mom, would be stepping back instead of stepping forward. You step back, which gives you your sense of gravity uh, leaning forward. Because when you step forward, your center of gravity is now behind you, especially if you step. And so there the knee becomes the, the axis of rotation and it also takes the load. And that's why it gets strained. But the quadriceps have to work really hard. Um, 
And if people are going to do this in gym, is to rather you know do smaller steps, don't go down as much. You know that's so the coaching can help. But it's just it is an advanced movement. It's a very good functional exercise. So there are if you do it properly, it's very very good for you. But it's it is advanced. Good, good. Yes, I. It's taken me a good part of a year to get there. Um, and I, I can I sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I say, do you do you when you do? Are you still doing the walking lunges? I am, and I actually find that they really help me to put on muscle mass. So I've gained yes. three three kilos in the past three months or so, and uh, prior to that it was very frustrating because I just couldn't add enough weight um, to be able to build that lower body back up again. But now that I can do these lunges, it's, it's kind of like chin-ups. You know, once you can do chin-ups, suddenly your weight yep. goes up because it's such a heavy load. And the body responds so much to the real exertion, you know. Exactly, like climbing stairs. But when you when you go, are you going straight up in the lunge position and then stepping forward, or are you leaning forward and in your in your upper body? I am trying to not lean forward much. I'm tr- I'm trying to just basically uh, like take the lunge forward, which requires a small amount of upper body yep. leaning, and yep. then just coming down and then trying to think, okay. Uh, keep the upper body back more. Okay, so you, you know, you, I'm just going to share this advice. But if you can, you can try it, and if it works for you, it works. But is when you keep the body upright, then the knee becomes, uh, I said to you, the center of the axis of rotation, and it takes all the load. So you'll have major quad work there, a lot of calf work, and a lot of hamstring, and the glutes will be slightly working. Where if you do lean forward slightly from your pelvis get that sense of gravity more forward, you'll see that there's a lot of load comes off the knee back into the hip, which is what we want. And then you're driving off from the glutes and you will definitely have the quadriceps. But you've got, in that exercise, in my opinion, you've got too much quad and hamstring work and not enough glutes because your sense of gravity is way behind the knee, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So okay. you're welcome to try just a little lean, not lean forward from your back, obviously. Yep. So, so it's leaning forwards from your pelvis. Just It's almost like you're about to lunge forwards as opposed to lunge up. Yep, good. Okay, yep, I'll experiment yep. with that. You can experiment and, yeah, and, and when you do experiment that, don't lunge all the way to the ground. Maybe go down 45 degrees and play around because you don't want to do one, one bad move again. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, this is something that as we've been chatting is, is – um, it's come to my attention as well that was crucial for me to be able to get to the point where I could do those walking lunges. Yes. One of them was working on my um, gluteus medius muscle. Okay. okay. And now um, what I would do um, is I – there were two ways that I work on this. First of all, for people who are watching or listening to this, it's the muscle that gets activated with the old Jane Fonda workout videos when you lie on your side and you do a scissor lift. Like the, that's a, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, for most people, as, as far as I can understand from the people that I watch, like, like my guy um, um, uh, who I watch on, on his YouTube channel uh, who trains, you know, weightlifters and stuff, he said it's one of the, relatively the most weakest muscle in the body. It's the stabilizing, a stabilizing side glute muscle that doesn't really do a lot of the heavy lifting, but it's there for stability. Now, when he was talking about this, I realized that if I want that stability in 
um, my uh, my knee, I'm going to have to have good glute medius muscles. And then I realized, yeah. you know what? It's the same muscle that helps me stand on one leg at in my yoga class because it really is engaged when you're on one leg. And so I thought it's also a good idea because it'll help me stay longer into that posture as well. So I began working on that muscle every single day. And I noticed that I got stronger and stronger and I could do more of those like scissor lifts. And there's some other ways that I was doing it that are too hard to demonstrate uh, right now. Uh, (laughs) Right. Um, But activating that same muscle. And as that muscle got stronger and I noticed I could stand on one leg with more stability and, and confidence for longer, I also felt more intuitive confidence in the knee it was almost like yeah so yeah you want to talk about this a bit more yeah you know it's the the glutes again i want to go back to functional um and i love what you said single leg and i'll get back to that now so lying on your side doing a scissor lift is it it really does uh, um, target the glute medius but it's not if you think about it it's not a movement you do Mm everyday or functional movements. Uh, yes. So standing on one leg and balancing is, is functional. And so what I, if uh, I haven't seen you do it, but the key things to get the glute medius to fire is you've got to keep your knee soft. A lot of the guys, when they're standing on one leg, is they lock the knee and they lock their ankle. So the calf, so they still get the glute working. But if you just soften that knee slightly, don't let it bend into where you feel your quadriceps working. It then causes, it switches on that glute medius really tight. Um, and then any movement where you are standing and swinging the other leg. So you imagine when you're climbing stairs, you put the foot down, the next leg is coming. As that leg is transitioning, you've got a rotation in the pelvis and glute medius does internal uh, internal rotation and external because it actually it's got a fork like a Y shaped on the on the muscle it goes over the so it does both movements but that basically any sort of rotation to the pelvis really challenges the glute medius again highly functional stabilizing and then the other thing is um, yeah it, it, as I said just make sure that you you look you look straight ahead looking down looking up mm-hmm. also changes the, it brings on the it activates different muscles mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so the glute medius is very important any sort of low back pain or tightness in the lower back also switches off the glute medius. And a great exercise to do for that is if you have tight groin muscles, your, we call them adductors. Yes. So the, the, the gym exercise is <laughs> exercise where you sit and close yes. again when you ever do yeah. maybe horse riding, but in real life. But uh, um, if you can do um, an exercise, it, it's like a that, – remember that punching exercise where you, you were sitting on the bike and you were yeah, rotating yeah. your arms? Yeah? Yeah. If you do that before your glute medius exercise, you'll see it's really fantastic because what happens is that's, that rotational exercise releases your groin, and if the groin's tight, it switches off or inhibits whatever we want to talk about, um, the glute medius. So if you release the groin muscles first, you get much better glute medius activation. You can mm. try that at the gym. Mm. I may have experienced that uh, sort of unknowingly because those the funny exercises you mentioned with the abductor and is it the uh, the adductor and the abductor? Um, That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, where one is, uh, you know, you often see more females use it than the men um, and yes. they'll sit there and they'll open their legs uh, against resistance and then another machine next to it close their legs against resistance. Terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, so yes, yeah, so I was, uh, you know, utilizing those again when I was searching for anything where I could build muscle that wouldn't irritate the knee. Um, yeah. And so uh, they served their purpose for a while too uh, in the earlier months um, after I uh, did the um, did the uh, what I think is a meniscus tear. Um, so, okay, so we've talked uh, at length about the things that I've done uh, in the past 12 months uh, or so to um, work on healing this really arthritic knee uh, into a into a position where it doesn't cause me to have severe lifestyle uh, de- depletion yeah. Yeah, or impingement yeah, yeah. or impairment. And I think the point that I want to drive home the most here is that it's totally possible to have a junk knee and still have a pretty good life. Um, and Absolutely. I'm I'm only a few months away, God willing, uh, to to being able to get back to where I was uh, before this happening. And and as I said, uh, my my um, surgeon said the only option is a replacement. They didn't want to look at doing an arthroscopy. He said, "There's nothing we can do. You go in there with an arthroscopy and you repair what's there." He said, "But there's nothing there. It's just touching each other." Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet, remarkably. It doesn't hurt to walk once I've gotten it moving, you know, into the late morning and stuff. And I anticipate that in a few months it won't hurt to walk even when I first get out of bed in the morning, as it didn't used to for many, many years prior. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So this is encouraging for everyone else. You can do amazing things with a junk knee. And I think I read a sign. <laughs> I think I read a scientific paper that said that, um, you know, when they do autopsies uh, and look at people's knees, um, so many of them have arthritic symptoms and yet um, many of those people did not report knee complaints before they, you know, passed away. And so where I'm going with this to say is just by having a really uh, osteoarthritic knee, right, um, with damage does not necessarily mean that you will have pain and it doesn't right, necessarily yeah. mean at all that it's going to, you know, ruin your quality of life. And, and you know, I'm going to just interject there a little bit is, uh, is that the picture that they take, the MRI, the X-ray, you know, it's uh, it's not always telling a, a true story. And I think that's, the, you know, that's what's throwing a lot of the medical guys and even ourselves, you know, and it's it's helpful to see. But we can't, you can't make a diagnosis straight away and say, well, that's causing, even if you have impingements or even if you have these, these things called bone spurs or calcification, whatever it is, uh, narrow joint space, they talk about in the knees, how there's a narrow joint space. It, it's not an indication for the pain. And, and pain is, is a complex, you know, there's a lot going on. And as, we, as modern science, you know, still starts to, do, to discover and learn about this, uh, we, we're realizing that we actually – you know, the more we find out, the less we know. Um, and it's going back to the basics again. And that's what I love about what you do with your food and, and what I'm trying to do with movements is simply going back to the basics of human movements or good quality food and um, the body, let the body do the rest. You know, it's got a self-repairing, even even enamel in the teeth. I mean, they're now showing that you can it can it can not grow back, but repair depending on the extent of damage, you know. So 
we were quick to pull the tooth, do a cavity, do a surgery, cut the joint. If you look at rheumatoid arthritis, I mean, the medication sort of obliterates the immune system. I mean, it's crazy, like, what's, what's been on offer there. And I'm going back here quickly on the balance exercise, but with balance, try to, try to do not too long. I don't know how many seconds or minutes you balance for, but you, the longer you leave it, the more you risk for, the longer you stand on one leg. If you do have a sore knee, go to where you start to feel that slight discomfort, then change onto the other side. Don't, don't sort of push through. So mm-hmm. the, someone says do it for a minute, and mm-hmm. after 20 seconds you're feeling, mm, this is not feeling great, but I've got to do a minute. Get off that knee. Yeah? Yeah, and build yeah. the time. Yeah, build the time. I mean, that's common sense again, but you'll be amazed at how often people go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that, that, that's such an important point that we haven't discussed, which is that at any point that I have ever felt a pinch, it's get out of there as quick as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A, a pin- and, and not push through the pain. You know, a lot of yeah. your clients, are, uh, maybe they're over 50s, I say, they generally still love this no pain, no gain. And it's, it's amazing how you just like it's crazy. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. I'm glad you mentioned that. So um, just to recap then, uh, what I've done with a, a heavily osteoarthritic knee is work on the glute medius muscle because um, that yep. was chronologically early in the piece, even though in our discussion it came up later. Work on the glute, yep. gluteus medius muscle by and building that, which enabled me to build some more stability uh, in the hips and the, the muscle. Then I was able to, um, or simultaneously, I was doing daily sit up off the chair uh, to build a very uh, small amount of um, improvement in my all my sort of lower leg muscles and then I was able to add a little bit of weight and do it at the gym with great care over several months uh, and 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 slowly introduce some deadlifts as well because my um, my I, I want to say my hip muscles were tender and weak um, not so much the lower back and that helped my yeah. my hip muscles improve a lot um, and all of this I did um, with great care and patience and with great record keeping. I have a little blue book that I take with me to the gym every time and it's got the date, my weight and every single thing that I do and every rep that I do every single day. And it's my Bible of history of everything that I've done with my body. Um, and, 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 um, and I record everything from the spacing between my feet. Um, like I said, with the, with the depth, how many plates I put on top of the, um, the bench, how, so how I, so I know how deep I'm going, how many reps, of course. And even sometimes I put what order I do things. You know, if I do the, if the, if the, uh, um, uh, I might try doing deadlifts before the, the squats and I'll make a note of that because I, everything seems to matter when you're dealing with something that's so precarious, like the knee's yeah. so delicate when it's so smashed. Uh, I found everything matters. And then I've progressed now to the lunges and I feel like now I'm on the home stretch because as you said, right. the lunges are advanced and it gives me that feel good that, um, if I can do those, then things are obviously a lot further ahead, uh, than what yeah. they, what they used to be. Glad you mentioned the word order. It's that's that's what I do. Is I help get the sequences right. It makes a huge difference which exercises you do and how the order that you do them um, makes a huge difference. And so that's that's how I start off with the back, release the back, release the hip flexors, 
Um, everybody has a side that they're stronger in. There's not, I don't think there's a human who's got the absolute perfect balance. You've got to have a good body awareness as to what side, because sometimes even the side that's painful isn't your weak side. You know, So you've got to work on um, understanding like you've done in Sanasi, you know, take a record, get to know your body. You know, and 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 know what what how it feels afterwards, and and then doing those getting that order out, because it's also the order of of the like if you look at if every muscle is like an is like an alphabet. So when you look at a word made up of letters, so the word um, let's just take uh, mat M A T. If you have M is your glutes, A is your glute medius and T is your hamstrings, even though you maybe got MTA, you're working all the right muscles. And this is what we find a lot of the exercises and, and other methods and systems that's, that's out there. The people say, but yeah, but Carl, I'm working that. I'm working, yeah, but you haven't got the order right. The sequence is wrong. And when that sequence is wrong, so MTA or ATM, until you get MAT, you're never going to really get that flexibility you desire because the, the order is wrong. And you can stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch. And yes, there's a neurological uh, improvements, but you'll notice a lot of clients that yeah, but it's very slow, and the reason it's slow is because the order is always is out, and so that's why we want to work on that order. Yeah, I love that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, you're talking to someone who uh, who's pedantic about these things because you don't get Brilliant. well by accident. You know, the, no. the, all the odds are against you when you have yeah. uh, an autoimmune disease, whether it be suppressed or an active. Uh, you've always got to have. Yeah, extreme diligence with being able to um, either keep it at bay or to get it under control. I mean, it's it's yeah. a lifelong um, full time job, and so you know you develop these uh, the, these uh, uh, this level of detail with your thinking that's that's pretty obsessive almost. Um, yeah. Something I'm glad you mentioned, which was stretching. So. For every time I would work out the muscles, I would then after um, stretch them as well. So I want to make sure that everyone understands that um, everything that I have done and will continue to do um, and did when the knee was inflamed, which we'll talk about next, um, involved strengthening and stretching because I find that if I only try and strengthen, then I'm all tight and sore the next morning um, because the muscles seem to be worked but not released. So um, looking to your sort of comments around the, the stretching side of things, and um, is this something that you also uh, incorporate as a key part of your um, coaching? I, I do. Um, stretching, it's a tricky one because there's there's two types in, in, in the sense that you have the dynamic stretching where it's not the old school where you sort of hold a position or stretch yeah. for for 30 seconds, it's more taking the joint slowly through a range of motions. So it's called dynamic stretching. The other thing is uh, often the, it's the nervous system that's, I'm going to say, uh, tight. So if you look at the hamstrings, for example, if you were to lie on your back and put an elastic band around your foot and pull the your, I don't know, it's quite popular in German, you pull your leg back, people tend to feel a, a burny pull behind the back of the knee and then they say, oh, I'm, I'm stretching my hamstrings. And, and you are, but very often you're also stretching the nerve. There's mm. a big nerve that runs down the back of your leg called the sciatic nerve. Mm. And so people get confused between, oh, am I stretching the, 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 the nerve or am I stretching the muscle? And that we can talk about that if you want, go mm. and say just now. But mm. The, when you've worked a muscle, like you said, you've done squats, you've done some mm. exercises, and, and the muscle feels tired, 
then taking it into a nice gentle stretch afterwards to release the sort of, you know, your, those, um, mm. what do you call it? Your, your, um, yeah, no, um, I lost the word now, but it's come to me, but basically that, that stretching is fine, but stretching to really try and, um, yeah, you know, trying to make a muscle more supple can can be a challenge sometimes because it's 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 more complicated. It's, uh, it's 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 governed or regulated by the nervous system. So I I rather to release muscles. I work on actually doing the right strengthening and and getting people into the right positions, which then naturally releases the muscle as opposed to then getting them to really hold long stretches. It does feel nice, and stretching feels great, and it has an effect on the mind. And it also it is so it depends on individual because if you stretch some people's knees, like you said, can it aggravate it, and other people's knee, they said, yeah. feels fantastic. So it's yeah. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, yeah. The active stretching something that I was completely unaware of until I started yoga, and when I realized yeah. that um, everything that's done, that, that's not true. Uh, a lot of the things that are done in Bikram yoga, you're stretching and strengthening simultaneously. Absolutely. And I'd yes. never seen this before. And and to be very specific about one exercise that has always been a winner for this left damaged knee, and it's hard to explain, um, but what it, the best way to explain this would be Imagine if we're standing on one leg and we, and we reach down and we pick up our ankle of the other leg as if we were to do a high school quadricep stretch, like you would yes. at high school, okay? Yes, yes. Um, and then to actually start kicking with the, with the leg that is being held so that you're pushing the ankle against the hand which isn't moving because it's attached to your shoulder, so it's not going anywhere. So what you're really doing is you're basically um, using uh, force against the hand to kick into it, and you 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 end up coming forward, right? It's because called the bow pose. So you go, you're moving forward, yeah. And I have found that if I can uh, cheat that at home with the back with the with the uh, the my shin or my ankle against the back of a couch. You with me? So stand yes, behind, yes, yes. stand stand behind the couch, um, and then put the my um, the my shin against the back of the couch. Stand on one leg, and then start to lower myself down. And the whole time, and the absolute most critical component to be kicking, pushing with the ankle, pushing down, yes, against the back of the couch. Um, what a wonderful stretch into the quadricep, and it and it feels to also to lengthen the quadricep at the same time, which I which I feel is just um, both um, interesting and fascinating, but also wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's called PNF, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Is a long word for it, but it's exactly <laughs> contract, relax, and uh, and and very used quite often by physios. Very effective. In that, and again, you're having a play on the nervous system. But if we go back to our analogy with the word mat, if mm-hmm. the quadriceps muscle is the T in the word mat, and you moving, uh, doing your squats or your little lunges, and that T is in the front, so you've got T M A as opposed to M A T. Now you go, you do your quadriceps stretch, you do all the stretches, you're going to get the release. But the minute you go into life or into your exercise and you go and put the T back in the wrong place, it gets tight again. And that's so 
you'll find that once you get that order right, you'll go do that same stretch on the couch and it'll be significantly improved. And you'll be like, mm. I've done nothing. I haven't even had to stretch my quadriceps. Yeah. Why is it so loose? Yeah. And it's because you've got the order right. Yes. So I'm, I'm helping my clients uh, really to do the stretches, but saying, do you really want to take the stretch to the next level? And not in terms of pain, but release. And they said, of course. And then you say, well, let's leave the stretch and let's get that. And then they go back into the stretch land. They say, I can't believe the difference. And it's, it's not like 5%. It's like 20, 30%. It's huge. Yeah. That's awesome. It's simply by moving, changing that order. I talked about the MAT and the TM. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, keep yeah, that's... doing that because it's 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 it is a good stretch, you know, and 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 um, and I'll be I'll be interested to see follow up within a few weeks when you start to that leaning forward if you get the change in the quadricep with the lunges to do that stretch to see if you feel better. We can. I will do that, <laughs> um, and it does take me some time to um, to make that progress. I only do the walking lunges every probably every approximately about every eight days, seven or eight days, okay, and the reason yeah, yeah. I reason I only do them that infrequently for a few reasons is because my current routine is I go gym, gym, Bikram yoga, gym, gym, Bikram yoga. And any little trouble that I might get myself into at the gym, if, you know, if my muscles are getting tight, you mentioned the hip flexor, for example, yeah, yeah. Um, or um, sometimes I notice that if I um, you know, I can sometimes uh, get a little bit of a sore ankle if I grab the ankle in some stretches. Instead, sorry, uh, the foot gets sore. Actually, the foot if I grab the foot instead of the ankle in some yes, postures. Yes. And and then I go and do a Bikram class every third day, and that's my insurance. And that's where right. you know, without a coach like yourself, that's where I can just go and just let the let the teacher and the process be my coach, um, and that gets me out of trouble. Uh, and then I go back into the gym and I do my my cautious gym work again. Um, and I found that this process has been both safe, um, but also. Um, very uh, enabling, make great progress as well. So that's, you know, Bikram yoga really has been, uh, I said to Melissa the other day that, uh, you know, the only reason I walk, well, don't even have a knee replacement now at 43 is because of Bikram yoga. It really has enabled me to get out of some extraordinarily awful scenarios. So why don't we segue with that into when I was inflamed? Because a lot of people have inflamed knees and, um, and I hope, uh, this next, you know, as as we get sort of, you know, uh, towards the sort of end of our conversation here, as we talk about inflamed knees, um, the, the whole, the, everything we just spoke about, I believe, um, to a, a, a to a more cautionary level, can still be applied, um, but but with much more care. So if a knee's inflamed, or at least let me speak at least from a personal viewpoint. Yes, yes. I found that challenging an inflamed, unhappy, aggravated, red, swollen knee still felt better the next day than if I didn't use it. Um, and, and similar exercises to what we mentioned before um, with an emphasis on uh, building some strength, particularly where the quadricep connects to the patella or to the to the knee joint down low. That's where, right. Yeah, the tibia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, particularly around that area, and then stretching it. So trying to strengthen the stretch because I got so weak from the inflammation where the yes, quadricep yes. meets the knee. 
Can you give us some comments around that? Well, I think, I think a bit of background. You know, the immune system really kicks in uh, what's always there, but it's sort of it's around mid, midnight. That's why you, you often say it wakes you up at night or people complain they wake up in the morning in pain and then when they, they do a bit of exercise or movement, it goes away. You find that your cortisol levels tend to spike uh, for those. That's your stress hormone that's released. But that cortisol comes in and around about just before you wake up. It sort of prepares you for the day. And then that cortisol is, a, is an immune suppressant. Uh, you know, it helps to re- regulate inflammation. And so when people do these exercises or gentle, uh, that's counter sort of your intuitive, uh, why would I move a painful joint? But as I said, that cortisol is released and it actually has an immune suppressant, just what your drugs are doing or the, the medications. So that's the benefit you're getting from that. And um, it's, it's, it's it, again, it's just using your common sense and how much you have pain and but you don't need to do a lot, you know. Just get mm. that gentle movements, um, and mm. and there's things you can lie on your even on your bed. You can do some quadriceps strengthening and pushing down on a little ball. And mm. um, I would be careful of doing what we call an active leg raise, where you lie on your back and lift the leg up, because that involves using the the quadriceps, but it also the, the hip flexors, which is directly attached to your lower back. So anybody's mm. got lower back problems or strain, that that can can cause pain. I'm not saying it does. Depends mm. on your situation. But if you if you're prone to back pain, lifting a leg up in the air can cause um, can cause a lot of low back problems. Yeah, when I think about the concept, uh, it doesn't make me feel comfortable. Uh, when I'm on my side, uh, you know, doing the Jane Fonda scissors as we talked about, uh, yeah. different, a uh, completely different level of confidence yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you said for people who are in bed because some people are just really struggling and they might be listening at the moment with the kind of yeah, but attitude, which is yeah, but it's fine if you've got gym access. Yeah, but I've got both knees inflamed and I only had the one knee, right? So I had that level of confidence and security in the other one. Um, but I would still just as a general, general words of, personal experience i don't use the word advice because everyone can has to make their own decisions about this but um if i if i had to step into someone else's shoes with the knowledge that i have and have those bad swollen knees again i would try and keep them active i just really would i I would look to go and do like i found that with my terrible knee in fact, that one of the biggest insights for me was when we we're in Hawaii on our honeymoon, and my knee um, just responded so well to just doing some small hill climbs and trying to do some sightseeing in Hawaii. Of course, and cycling, yeah, cycling, yeah. cycling, yeah. like just getting some activity. Just it, yeah. it. The worst thing for a rheumatoid joint is to be left still, in my view. Absolutely, absolutely, I mm. agree with you completely. Yeah. Uh, my my el- left elbow being a classic example where I was my first major kind of uh, question mark around what to do. I mean, it, it locked up in a position and, and the medical professional said, well, if it's hurt, hurting to try and move it, then don't move it. Well, that ended up in me having elbow surgery, right? And so then, yeah. when I That's when great I advice. <laughs> yeah, when I st- yeah, if it hurts, don't move it, right? Um, and so when I started to get inflammation in my right elbow, don't you know that I thought, well, I've got to do whatever I did with the left one. It cannot yeah. be 
worse the what I did with the left one. Like that was a complete fail. So do the absolute oh. opposite. So then I moved the right elbow like crazy, and that one avoided surgery, has no inflammation ever since. Fantastic. And, Fantastic. and I mean, it, it's not perfect because it had a couple of years of inflammation. Um, it's not perfect by any means, but I avoided surgery. So we've got to move the inflamed joints in the right way. And you are the person I send people to in my support group. I say book a session with Carl. Um, I refer to yourself as, you know, the knee expert when it comes to inflamed knees because it's complex. It's like when you're talking about Luke, you worked through all of these issues that I would have no idea to comment on his back and core and this sort of stuff. I mean, that's just not my expertise. I'm, I've got my own personal experience with my own personal uh, journey and my, my knee issues, um, but you're working over Skype and you're seeing the actual condition with your own eyes and being able to witness people's physical posture and, and so on, and having a coach targeting those areas uh, is very powerful. And so that's why rather than me um, – you know, just saying, hey, watch my, my knee training video, which people do and get a lot out of, as as I hope they do out of this discussion. Um, but my knee training video is like me demonstrating all of this stuff. But um, beyond that, it's one thing just to watch that. And it's another to have a coach actually uh, keep you accountable. And, and when you hit troubled areas, to then actually correct them and to work with that. You know, and, and, and thank you for that, Clint. The, the, you know how you document how the foods, different foods have an effect on you. And it's yeah. the same thing I've been doing now for the last 20 years pretty much is documenting the effect exercise has on our bodies and joints. So we, you get a good picture of, you know, you may yeah. say, what, what is a, like olive oil, it's a healthy thing. But you've, you've, through your experience, you've realized that in certain cases it's actually not good. So that's what I've done with the exercises, even though it looks like a very – Innocent, you know, well-prescribed yeah. exercise. We know that certain things are not right for people. So it's that's that's very very good. I wanted to say something actually. I feel for the listeners as well is a lot of people look at being overweight as a um, a barrier to exercise, and also for knee pain, they say that if you're overweight, you're going to have sore knees. Obviously, if you reduce the load on the body, it does help, but it's not all be all and end all. Um, I have a lot of patients who are really overweight who've done the movements, who've lost no weight, but the knee pain's better. Yeah. So you don't have to feel like I've got to go to gym and smash it and <laughs> I've got to starve myself and otherwise my knees are never going to come right. And it's it's really is another a potential roadblock for people to get going because they say, well, I'm, I'm never going to get anywhere with my knees because I'm so overweight and I, I might as well just give up. So being overweight, just like having an MRI, it's not always the cause of your back pain or knee pain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Whilst you're um, whilst you're talking about that kind of, uh, um, I want to say uh, um, possible challenges or things, um, uh, are there any other uh, blocks that people might have in their mind as to why they they can't make improvements? Being overweight, maybe one, but um, I think that having pain is one that we've covered. The inflammation. I wonder if there's any uh, – so we can just sort of clear people's objections here as to why they shouldn't get started. The bed one was a very good one. If people are in bed, uh, you know, there's still things that can be done, as you mentioned, right? Yeah. 
mind. Uh, mindset's a big thing as well. I mean, you know, they're, if they're negative, not don't believe in exercises or what difference is it going to make or, you know, all those sort of objections. Um, it's also a barrier just to get people started, I think. The great thing about with, with people who are in that sort of condition, just the small little things makes makes a change. It, it sort of drives mm. that sort of hope. Yeah. Um, yeah the, you know, the, so it gives them hope, yeah. Yeah. No matter what state someone's in, the, the the knees or any other joint is not so far gone that you can't do something, can't do something. Yeah. And you, you work on not just the knee joints, but you work on elbows, shoulders, uh, the whole, the whole body as a, uh, as a unit. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure you've, uh, you've seen plenty of situation where a joint is, uh, apparently out of, out of, <laughs> out of use. Um, but we can always make some improvement and, and, um, you know, I know uh, speaking with my situation, I, with my elbows, for example, which which have been damaged over the years, they don't straighten. That doesn't mean that I'm n- never a day goes past when I don't try and you know, get one fraction of a millimeter more of, ex- of 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 extension through those elbows, whether it be hanging from an overhead bar at the gym or whether it be uh, just trying to uh, uh, stretch them in the morning when I wake up, get, you know, through my forearms, just do four uh, stretches and stuff. I'm n- never stop trying to improve things that have been damaged. So yeah. um, let's talk about uh, t- toxic knee movements and then we'll wrap up so uh to conclude out our our knee episode here uh what are some things that people always uh are going to have trouble with if they if they do these things Uh, you know these the the deep bends going Mm. down to when you squat down and your knees go past your toes that that's one of the number one you know so some people who don't have problems they go that's fine but the average person when you squat down and the knees go way forward um, that's, you know, can be a toxic movement. And, and just to, you know, um, you know, caveat on that, just, it's, it's not everybody's going to feel this, but the majority of people who bend down like that are going to feel knee strain. That's why when you go to the gym, they say, don't let your knees go past your toes. It's for that reason. Um, sitting with your knees bent uh, for long periods of time or, or in mm. awkward positions, you know, it's, again, mm. it's, it's, that can, can cause a lot of uh, pain. Uh, I find... Yeah, if you if you you know just doing things in a in a rush in a hurry, you know. So if you if you you just quickly turn, twisting movements, yeah. so rotational movements like you talked about is, mm. you know, it's fine if you've been doing that in the gym. But if you're standing still and you quickly turn, or uh, that can really can really, especially if your hips are tired, you haven't got the mobility there, then the knee takes the strain. Um, carrying very heavy heavy loads incorrectly, um, you know. Pushing things, if you, you suddenly have to push something out of the way or move a box, you know, some it's amazing how we do it. It's like the, the elbow thing in the car with the kids, you want to reach back behind you quickly and oh, there goes the shoulder. You know, it's it's just been aware of movements. Now, that shouldn't be a painful movement, it's a normal, but because it's done so fast and without thinking, it, it becomes a toxic <laughs> movement, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't absolutely. think it's a single person, that, well, there may be a few, but who've actually reached back in the car to get something and it's either a neck goes neck, or the yeah. shoulder goes. <laughs> I've done the neck that way. I still remember to this day. I think I might have been yeah. 17 and I remember it like it was yesterday when the neck, I was getting out of the car at school and I was like in year 12 or year 11 or something we no it was year 12 because we we had a car and we were driving to school and and uh, I remember like absolute shocking kink neck you know when one of those ones when you like absolutely like just pathetic and you can't move it a millimeter 
Uh, so yeah. And the reason that the reason that actually is sore is because it's a neural, <laughs> a lot of strain on the nervous system, um, and that's that's why you get you get that, that horrible pull in the, in the neck. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, it, when you were running through that uh, that, that list, uh, we mentioned last time about uh, it actually being quite a challenge sometimes, just getting up off the toilet when you're in a pretty bad way with your knees. Um, if folks are traveling traveling uh, a little bit rough and they need to uh, a tip for getting up off the toilet, do you encourage people to um, utilize a wider uh, foot span with toes pointing out, knees further apart to help get up off the toilet, or should they uh, just you know uh, work aggressively to try and build more strength so they can keep you know feet parallel or uh, or nearly parallel. I think you know it's such a it's like a deep squat, like we talked yeah. about it the last time. Is the key there is is I like what you're saying. Knees a little wider, feet wider apart, slightly turned out, but you've got to use momentum. You know, you've yeah. got to kind of like go one, two, three, and get the center of gravity forward and really push up. If you go slow motion, or uh, yeah. you you know come straight up, you you know a lot of people actually push off the toilet, but then they go straight up. And that just puts a lot of strain on the knees again. So mm. um, you need to, like we talked last time, so I'll get that seat, those seats, you can raise the seats. I mean, mm. I, mm. if I was doing something different, I would have designed seats and kitchen, like all these appliances, just make everything higher, everything's so <laughs> low. It's a, it's really killing our backs. Everything, everywhere you go, even <laughs> sitting now talking to you, I'm on a low bench, right. everything's low and it's it's killing, mm. it's really destroying our, our bodies slowly. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, Sorry, I ex- yep. for, a, for a while there, I was uh, doing a lot of standing up, uh, had a desk where I was standing up and so forth. Um, and whilst it's, it was a bit of a trend over the previous few years throughout sort of 2015 to 18, you know, standing yeah. desks, uh, I, I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on it. I think that sitting to get a little bit of work done for an hour and then get up and go and do something else for 10, 20, 30 minutes and and uh, if, I mean, I'm talking ideally uh, if we're not stuck at our desk with our job. Okay. Uh, but yeah, um, I feel that just being constantly up and down, just constantly kind of moving around, is is helpful. Yeah, and it's a good, and it's a great point. I mean, people often ask me, Carl, what's the best posture for this when I'm sitting?" And I'm mm. and I'm like, "Well, there, there, there isn't really a best posture. You know, you can sit slouched because yeah. that's actually quite nice. Slouch actually yeah. relaxes a lot of." tension a lot of muscles but also yeah. then creates problem in the neck then you right. can stand or move yep. but to sit like a ro- robot yep. in an idea for three hours is yeah. is, is no good I, I want to say quickly as well like all movements are maybe possible but not all movements are beneficial mm. and i think that's the secret to the really important thing you know it's mm. just because your body can do it like yeah. like you said you can you can do these deep knee spins or you can do these reaches but you're going to find out sooner or later that the more we get back to how the body's designed to move, mm. um, and it's not just a random movement, you know, when you move, you you bring on a whole sequence. You've got a not just the word MAT, you've got like mm. 20 or 30 or 40 muscles are all operating synchronously to, to produce that movement. It's really important for listeners to just not just go there and say, I need to strengthen this muscle and I need to strengthen that muscle because mm. you, you're not, yeah, you, you, you're not, that's not how the body works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. 
Well, it could be a good place for us to wrap up. Uh, thanks again yes. for recording this uh, episode with us. Uh, this is your second one of these, but you've also been uh, and joined me on my monthly uh, live support calls inside Patterson Program Support. So members of Patterson Program Support uh, have been able to uh, get your direct coaching uh, just as part of membership. So uh, that's been very valuable as well. Uh, and we'll have you back on there again. I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest again after people see this podcast and I'll get the, uh, the, 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 um, the, the nice request once again to have you back as a uh, as our special guest on the monthly call. So I've got a little 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 girl here yelling out poo poo poo. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean poo poo poo? Uh, so uh, um, I'm going to uh, say thanks so much once again. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I always learn stuff when we talk, and it's always inspiring to me, and it, it motivates me to make my body as good as it can be. Uh, and, um, and, and, and I thank you for that. So, uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, and how can people contact you? Well, they've got my email address, which is callwellness at gmail.com. And yep. then my uh, South African website is call reader coaching. That's call with a C reader is R E A D E R coaching dot C O dot Z A. And they can find me there. Yeah, fabulous. Correct, and I yeah. can and I can uh, uh, vouch that everyone who has contacted you has said uh, how quickly you reply and how. Hang on, one sec, one sec. Yeah, uh, got the little girls here, um, and uh, how much they've enjoyed uh, uh, working with you. And thanks okay. again, Carl. And we'll be in touch. Pleasure. Okay, Keep bye well, for now. Cheers.